This is Save the Nation with Eric Kelly. It is a big week for the highest court in the land. The Supreme Court is in ruling on decisions in the month of July. For the first time in 24 years, this is due to the coronavirus disrupting their normal schedule. Plus, this week, the Labor Department announced better-than-expected jobs numbers. And Karens all over the country are throwing tantrums like five-year-olds. I'm Eric Kelly, and this is Save the Nation. The first major decision this week in the Supreme Court, they unanimously ruled that states can remove quote-unquote faithless electors. In other words, electoral college representatives who disregard how you, the voter, cast your ballot in a presidential election can now be outlawed. So what exactly does this mean? Let's do a quick Civics 101 crash course. So in most other U.S. elections, think governor, senator, mayor, these candidates are elected by popular vote. But in a presidential race, winners are chosen by electors, not individual votes. Each state gets a number of electors. That number is determined by how many members they have in Congress, both the House and the Senate. When you go to cast your vote for president, you're actually voting to select your state's electors. You're telling your state which candidate you want your state to vote for at the meeting of electors, which actually doesn't even happen in November. It takes place in December. In all states, with the exception of Maine and Nebraska, it's a winner-take-all situation when it comes to allocating electors. And a candidate needs a minimum of 270 electors to win the presidential election. Now, back in 2016, there were 10 electors that went rogue. And they cast their vote for people that did not win their state's popular vote. These are called faithless electors. In 2016, it was an attempt to deny then-candidate Trump an electoral college victory. This led to electors in Washington state being fined $1,000, and even an elector in Colorado was removed from casting a vote. Now, this led to legal challenges in both states, and the elector who was removed from casting their vote in Colorado actually won. So this ruling from the Supreme Court rules that states can in fact prohibit their electoral college representatives from disregarding voters when it comes to casting their ballots in presidential elections. This Supreme Court unanimous decision reaffirms that the votes of the American people matter and that states, in fact, can punish these electors for breaking their pledge. Coming up, we're going to take a look at the jobs numbers released last week from the Department of Labor. Things are looking pretty good, but with these spikes in COVID-19 cases, is it sustainable? And join us on Facebook and Twitter at Eric Kelly STN or EricKelly.org. And be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. We've got more Save the Nation when we get back. So recently, you may have heard the name Karen used a lot. Don't be a Karen. She's such a Karen. There's even a Twitter account, at Crazy Karens, and a Facebook group dedicated to Karens. It's called the Karens Are Added Again. And these pages are dedicated to shaming Karen-like behavior. 
Now, full disclaimer, some of these videos and pages have explicit language. So if you log on, there's your warning. Now, if you haven't heard or are unfamiliar with Karen, Wikipedia defines Karen as a pejorative term used in the United States for a woman perceived to be entitled or demanding beyond the scope of what is considered appropriate or necessary. In recent weeks, conflicts at various businesses have viral videos popping up of so-called Karens across the country erupting into tirades about mask-wearing requirements in public establishments. We're going to play some of those clips. This first clip comes from a quote-unquote Karen who's trying to enter a consignment shop in Costa Mesa, California, and one of the employees informs her that she can't shop there without wearing a mask. Thank you. No I just want to shop. I don't want to sell. Yeah, no yeah. Have no, I have a health condition. I can't wear one. Okay, then unfortunately you can't, you can't shop turn down service that. for that reason. We, I have plenty of documentation. I'm doctors. so sorry about no, you that. Can't. I have you on video for the law, though. No, it isn't. It's not a law. And I'm going to. I'll take. Not for health reasons. You can't, though. Yes, no, can. not yes, for that can. reason. Okay, so this is Crossroads in Costa Mesa. Can I get your name? My name is Kelly Hines. Kelly. Okay, yep. awesome. So they're telling me I cannot be a customer in here because of my health condition. Not at all. And they're refusing. I'm you can be a customer if you wear a mask. I that harms my health condition to wear a mask. Okay, and you're well, telling that, me that you're turning ADA down my service. Because that? I have, have the ADA. No, I have the ADA customer, here with me. I have the ADA with me. Okay. And you're wrong. It for the safety of our customers. They have masks on, and I'm ten feet six feet away. Yeah, so but I have the phone number and everything for violations. Our, our priority for the safety of our employees, and that's why we require it. Well, you're breaking the law, and that's fine. Okay. So, so if you yeah. want a mask, we will give you one. No, that, the whole point is to not wear a mask, so thank you. And you're the manager? I'm a hub manager for the SoCal district. Okay, perfect. Costa Mesa psychos, sheep want to make sure that nobody can walk in without wearing a mask when there's really no virus even affecting anyone. This next clip is a Karen from Jacksonville, Florida at a Florida Decor and More ranting about not being able to enter the store without wearing a mask and claiming that her civil liberties are being compromised. All right, so I'm standing outside Florida Core and More, and I'm just going to share with the world that my civil liberties are being really uh, limited. I have now been kicked out of a store because I am not wearing a mask because I do not wish to compromise my health. So I am advising any and everybody, do not come to Florida Core and More in Jacksonville, Florida, or your civil liberties will be compromised. I am going to take a stand on this. I am a medical doctor. It puts my health at risk to put on a mask. And masks do not protect from viruses, okay? If you need some medical proof, I will be happy to provide that for you. So do not, you do what you want to do, but I will not be wearing a mask at any time to protect against a virus, okay? I will not be doing it. And every store that I go into, okay, for the foreseeable future that kicks me out because I am not wearing a mask, I am going to report them on social media and I am going to advise everybody to do it. 
and believe me, I am going to find a way to have my voice heard because this is illegal. This is the United States of America and nobody can force me or anybody else to do that. Thank now we're going to get to these civil liberties and the governmental legal side of mask wearing requirements in just a moment. But right now, companies like Costco and Apple are requiring customers to wear masks in their stores. Most major airlines will not let passengers fly without wearing a mask. Even Uber and Lyft are requiring riders to wear a mask while in the cars with their drivers. And these private businesses, these stores, restaurants, a rideshare company, they all have that legal right to refuse service to an individual for not complying with the rules that they've set. There's nothing discriminatory or illegal about a business refusing to provide you with a service if you don't follow their protocols. It's kind of the same thing as a restaurant, how they're able to refuse service to a customer that isn't following the no shirt, no shoes, no service rule, or even a no smoking policy. Now, as far as mandates on a government level and you and your civil liberties go, there's a law that we can reference. But first, let's define what civil liberties are. If you look in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, it defines civil liberties as a freedom from arbitrary governmental interference, specifically by denial of a governmental power, and in the U.S. especially as guaranteed by the Bill of Rights. See, civil liberties are protections against government actions. And our civil liberties as Americans are in a handy little document that we like to call the Bill of Rights. Constitutional amendments, amendments like freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of press, freedom of assembly, the right to keep and bear arms, freedoms from unreasonable search and seizure. These are our civil liberties. So that brings us to the Tenth Amendment, which comes into play when it comes to government-mandated mask-wearing guidelines. I'm going to read the text of the actual Tenth Amendment just for your reference. The Tenth Amendment states, The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. So basically what this means is the Tenth Amendment gives states all powers that are not specifically given to the federal government. In a sense, it allows the states the authority to take public health actions to control the spread of dangerous diseases, such as COVID-19, actions such as quarantine, and these mask-wearing mandates. Now, as far as individuals who are medically unable to wear face masks for whatever reason or another, the ADA, the American with Disabilities Act, charges governments and private businesses to make reasonable modifications to face mask policies in order for the individual with a disability to participate in programs, goods, or services provided. So essentially, these companies have to accommodate people with a medical condition who are unable to wear a mask. So let's break this down. If you can't wear a mask, which truly is a very small percentage of people, businesses and governments must make reasonable accommodations for you. So what are reasonable accommodations? Curbside pickup or no contact delivery? Offering private appointments or virtual phone or video appointments? Or allowing an alternative face covering like a face shield in place of a mask? These are reasonable accommodations. However, in a June 12th disability issues brief from the Southeast ADA Center in Atlanta, 
They stated businesses do not have to offer services if they would require a fundamental change in the business model or create an undue burden or if that person poses a direct threat to the health of others. So all that to say, shouting and screaming on a Facebook video because you can't walk around a store without a mask shopping will not make a difference. The only thing these Karens are accomplishing is providing the rest of us who can follow simple policies a good laugh. No, Karen, your civil rights were not compromised. We'll be right back. million leisure and hospitality jobs, 740,000 retail jobs, 568,000 education and healthcare jobs, 357,000 service jobs. These are all historic numbers. And 356,000 manufacturing jobs. And manufacturing looks like it's ready to really take off at a level that it's never been before. And a lot of that has to do with our trade policy because we're bringing manufacturing back to our country. This past Thursday, the Department of Labor announced some good news. The U.S. economy added 4.8 million jobs in June, beating estimates of some economists who predicted 3.1 million jobs would be added and reported the unemployment rate dropped to 11.1 percent. That's down from 13.3 percent. Here's the director of National Economic Council, Larry Kudlow. What we've done here basically has created 8 million jobs in the last two months, May and June. The unemployment rate is falling. People are going back to work. There's a good spirit about this. Uh, All is not solved. We still have too many people on the unemployment rolls. There's still too much hardship, so we've got to continue to work. Now, some are attributing this rebound to the Payroll Protection Program. That's the program that gave small businesses assistance by offering federal money to help pay for their payrolls and operational expenses. These small businesses were only eligible for that government money as long as they didn't let any employees go or if they had let them go already if they rehired them. And some of these cutbacks of fired furloughed employees probably would not have happened until later on, had it not been for these payroll protection program funds. Now, while all of this is welcome news, that's only a recovery of three out of 10 jobs that have been lost during this coronavirus pandemic. Moody's Analytics reportedly believes that employment levels in the United States won't return to pre-COVID-19 levels until 2023. And these job growth numbers are expected to slow down, especially as these businesses begin to run out of these government funds. And this all comes at a time where a large majority of states are pausing or even reversing some of their reopening plans due to these large upticks in COVID-19 cases. Just recently, Arizona and Texas have shut down bars. California and South Florida had closed several beaches this last weekend for the 4th of July holiday. And there's been some concerning news coming out of Houston and Tampa that hospitals are reporting that they're inching closer and closer to being at full capacity. This reopening plan of America has essentially leveled out and is at a real risk of rolling back. 
Now, despite the rising cases across the country earlier this week, the markets seem to be showing some signs of optimism for a full economic recovery. Many politicians are calling for another stimulus package to keep Americans and American businesses afloat. Even the president has shown support for a second round of stimulus checks for Americans, as well as other members from within the White House. Here's Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin just last week. But let me just say we're very focused on, as part of the next CARES Act, we're going to seriously consider whether we need to put more payments and direct payments over. Worked very well. Now, if you remember back in May, Democrats in the House passed the HEROES Act that would have provided Americans with up to $6,000 in stimulus payments. That bill had a total price tag of $3 trillion and was dead on arrival in the Republican-controlled Senate. On Monday, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell gave us a little bit of insight into what he is considering and discussed the possibility of another round of checks saying that he believes the people who have been hit the hardest during this pandemic are people who earn around $40,000 or less a year. Now, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, the median U.S. household income is just under $62,000. So that's the entire household. The median individual income is around $31,000. So if Majority Leader McConnell limits the second round of stimulus checks to individuals making $40,000 or less, about half of all American workers would not benefit from that package. A recent poll from Fortune and SurveyMonkey shows that 54% of Americans support an additional round of stimulus checks. That's compared to 85% back in March for the initial one-time stimulus check. So what about you? Do you support another round of individual stimulus checks? Is that the answer to help keep our economy afloat? Do you need it? Tweet us or like and comment on Facebook at Eric Kelly STN and our website, erickelly.org. We're going to be having some giveaways coming up here soon, so make sure that you follow us on all of our social media channels. And be sure to subscribe and tune in next Wednesday for more Save the Nation. Save the Nation.